0: you want it you need it it's what everyone's talking about the kevin sheehan show now here's kevin
1: second down play fake to thompson and across the middle and it's intercepted by jabril peppers he will go to the end zone
0: i like jabril peppers i think he's gonna be a really good player You know, I think the Giants felt that he was going to be a really good player, which is why they didn't have a problem letting Landon Collins go. Boy, he was great yesterday in that circled payback game, the first to 12. Good afternoon, everybody, Uh, as you start to listen to this. Good evening, if you get to it tonight, or good morning, if you get to it tomorrow. There was nothing good about yesterday. It was another Train wreck of a game um, by a train wreck of a franchise. I'm not even sure all of you even watched the game. The one thing I've become convinced of over the years, and I know we've had this conversation before, Aaron's here, by the way, um, and I'm here, and we're going to have Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch. Michael's one of my favorite on the beat for the Redskins. He'll join us here shortly. I, I am convinced, having done what I do for a long period of time now, that winning and you know people interested in talking about the lack of it are, are two totally different things. Like Many of you actually enjoy the wallowing in misery together on the day after these things. Some of you actually who aren't fans of the team really enjoy listening to us and the pain that we're in, and the emotional wreck that we turn into during these Redskins regular seasons. Um, and you enjoy that conversation. When I first became a huge sports talk radio fan, I was working in a completely different different industry. I spent a lot of time in New York and I would listen to WFAN in New York all the time. If I were in the car on Long Island, I had a lot of stuff going on way out on the island, and sometimes I'd be in the car on the LIE for like 45 minutes to an hour, and I would listen to Mike and the Mad Dog, you know, just beat up on the Yankees, who were terrible at the time, or the Mets, who were having a tough, you know, season, and they'd sit there, and they'd be miserable together with all of their callers, talking, in some cases, Aaron, about one half inch or won it back for like 5 hours, which you can get away with in New York. And I remember thinking to myself as a non-Met or non-Yankee fan, man, this is entertaining. Doesn't matter that I'm not a fan of either team, and I hear from a lot of you who are not Redskin fans all the time that you enjoy listening to this year in and year out. I will tell you it's not fun living it as a fan, knowing that your favorite lifetime Uh, lifelong organization is among the worst businesses in all of business. Like if they were to rank, you know, what are the most inept businesses in North America? The Redskins would be on one of those top 50 lists. They're just, they are a complete and utter disaster. Top down rot is what it is. Um, anyway, I, I, I'll start with this. I don't know why in the hell anybody in that organization, other than maybe Jay, who thinks, I don't know, he's got to win games, I don't know why anybody with any decision-making authority in that decision, would why they would even consider playing Case Keenum or Colt McCoy next week against the Patriots. Because why? The kid's too fragile? Can't handle the adversity? You know, if that's the case, you may already know That the owner got it wrong, you know, on draft night when he came in and said, I don't care what your board says, we're taking Haskins. I personally, based on what I've seen, I think he's got thicker skin than that. I think he's tougher than that. I think he's confident. I think his psyche is not super fragile. You know, we talked about during training camp and over the summer. That if Case Keenum or Colt McCoy, whomever it was that was going to more likely than not start the season, that, you know, if they got off to a good start, they were two and two or three and one, or even if they were one and three, but they were playing well and the quarterback was playing well and they were losing close games, but offensively they were really, you know, playing pretty well, then that would have been a context for, all right, you know, we don't need to play him right now. Let's stick this thing out, see if we can go have ourselves a season. But this season is over. It's done. They're not just 0-4. They are a hideous-looking 0-4. A no-chancer yesterday. Pretty much a no-chancer in the last two before it. The highlight of the season was 17-0 second quarter at Philly in the opener. That's it. So now it's about the future. It's no longer about this year. There is no pressure to win games anymore this year. The rest of the season is about rebooting and finding out who's going to be a part of your future, specifically at head coach and at quarterback. All right. Dwayne Haskins, if he's not ready, get him ready. If he can't handle a full Gruden playbook, cut the playbook by two thirds if he doesn't give your team the best chance to win games, who gives a shit? He's got to be ready next year and the year after that to win games, not this year. And by the way, if he's not the right guy, we need to know that now. The draft next year is loaded with quarterbacks. Loaded with quarterbacks. And as far as those who would prefer that the team avoid putting him out there against the Patriots for his first start, that doesn't make any sense to me. The Patriots should be used and viewed as an opportunity for this guy. It should be embraced, a chance for him to go against the best right from the beginning. I've not sensed from him that he is afraid, that he's got a fragile makeup he played at the ohio state university in much bigger games than the games he's going to play in the rest of the year by the way in much bigger stadiums in front of bigger crowds in front of bigger television audiences at ohio state instead of fearing the worst for him against the patriots why not consider the upside of him potentially playing well I just look at this as a complete no-lose situation for him. Nobody's expecting him or the team to play well. So there's only an upside, no downside. If I were Jay or Kevin O'Connell, preferably Kevin O'Connell, because I think that's another area where the franchise needs to learn whether or not they've got a diamond in the rough, whether or not they have the new Sean McVay but I would be super aggressive with him. I'd start him. I'd be aggressive with him. I'd put him in two-minute offense right from the jump. That's a limited playbook. You run no huddle. You run screens, bubbles, hitches, draws. Get him into the shotgun where he's comfortable. Let him throw it. You. Most of you know that I was not a big fan of Dwayne Haskins as a first-round guy. I wasn't. Cooley wasn't either. I was the first one. Cooley Cooley will admit this because he had not yet watched the tape on Haskins. I said to him towards the end of last college football season, I said, Haskins, you know, people are talking about him as a potential first overall pick. I don't see it, man. I don't see it. And Cooley goes, I'll get to the tape eventually. And one of the first things he did after he watched the first set of tape on, on Haskins is he called me up and he said, I don't see it either. I don't see it. This is a project. This is a long-term project. So most of you know how I felt about him to begin with. But you know what? What I've seen since he got here is I see a guy with a lot of confidence. I see a guy who's a better athlete than I think I gave him credit for being. He's got huge size, as we know, big-time arm. Um, I I see a guy that you're not going to really put in jeopardy by playing against the Patriots. You know, I, I, I don't see that. I could be dead wrong. And maybe the way to per- pursue it with him or move forward with him is to be super conservative. And if that's what they deem to be the best way, I'm fine with that. I just want him to play. I want them to come up with a plan for him that makes him think that they believe in him. Don't make him uncomfortable with him needing to adapt to your plan, a plan that might be better for Keenum or Colt. The priority now is the future, and Haskins is, for now, much more of the future than the other two quarterbacks on the roster. Let's see what he's got. Let's see how he handles adversity. Let's see how he competes. Let's see what kind of leadership qualities he has. Let him play the remaining 12 games so he can be reasonably evaluated. If he doesn't play the evaluation on him is theory. You know, it's whiteboard. It's like, this is what we think he can be. No, put him out there so you have real practical application, practical evaluation. If he plays the final 12 games, that's three months of games, three months of practices where he takes every first team rep, three months of film, three months of meetings. You don't think they're going to learn more about him that way than from him running the scout team? Look, I, I, don't, I don't know that 12 games means you're going to have a definitive opinion about him, but I know that six games isn't as good as 12. You're going to find out enough about him. Now, as far as the coaching staff goes, I, I don't think that anything's going to happen personally. I, I, I'm sh- I'll be shocked if Minuski's still here next weekend, but I'm hearing that everybody's staying for now. I don't understand why, but anyway, did you hear what Jay Gruden said, Aaron, in the post-game presser? He said, man, 0-4 is a big surprise to everybody, everybody out here. Well, it's not a big surprise to anybody else, Jay, and I'm glad it's a big surprise to you. You should never go in thinking that you're you're not very good. I understand that mindset, but they were picked dead last in the division by just about everybody, or best case, third in the division, and had the longest Super Bowl odds in the league, except for Miami and Arizona. But typical uh, is the case that reality is not something that the brilliant brain trust of Snyder and Allen ever deal with. You know, they just don't understand. There's no self-awareness in this organization. None. They should have been in reboot mode, as I suggested and advocated, in January. But, you know, Dan and Bruce convinced each other that if not for the injuries, they would have won a Super Bowl last year. We're close, as Bruce said. We're close. How ridiculous was that mindset? We all knew it. Some of you really tried to argue with me when I said this is not going to be a playoff season. Over and over I said that. This is not going to be a playoff season. I wanted the Alex Smith nuclear option. I wanted to take all of the dead money this year. I wanted to cut Josh Norman. I wanted to cut Vernon Davis. I wanted to cut uh, Mason Foster, Zach Brown, Colt McCoy. I mean, I, who are the others? Uh, Stacy McGee. I might be forgetting somebody. I wanted Trent traded. I wanted Kerrigan traded. This was before Trent held out. And of course, in January, I wanted Bruce gone and the coaching staff gone. How they didn't see 2019 as a season that wasn't going anywhere is, again, you know, one of the reasons that their organization and business continues to find trouble and stumble. They are the last ones to figure out their own situation. They lack self-awareness and they make up for it with arrogance and really seriously lack of intelligence across the organization. It is not the brightest group. It isn't. It hasn't been. It's time now. You should have done it in January. That was a mistake. Don't make the same mistake again, Dan. Now is the time to start making decisions for the future, next year and beyond. Not this year. All right. This is not this. This is not about this year. This is about next year and beyond. Don't wait. This is not an end of the year thing. This is a now thing. The season is over. It should have been obvious to anybody that could see that this was not going to be a playoff year to begin with. It's time for you to be an owner again. You've given your team president a ton of power and decision-making ability over a long period of time. It's enough time. The team's regular season record since Bruce got here is 59-88-1. Abysmal. The head coach that he hired is 35-48-1. Now in the regular season, the staff that he's been at least partially responsible for and has been awful, all right, he hired or had big input on hiring. They have yet to find one defensive coordinator that can coordinate a defense. There have been two playoff games, zero playoff wins since Bruce Allen got here, and nobody nobody with any real credentials wants to come here as long as he's here. Dan, you've got to move on from him. Now, why wait? I personally, again, believe that nothing's going to happen this week. I told you I'd be shocked if Minuski was here after another bad defensive game, and it was a bad defensive game, even though they did get four turnovers. It was another bad defensive effort. You know, remember... Remember, it wasn't that long ago that we talked about the defense would lead them. And and I, and one of the cases I made for Haskins playing sooner rather than later is, you know, they're going to have a, an improved defense, we think, and that'll keep them in games and not put all the pressure on the quarterback in the offense. How's that worked out? Um, anyway, uh, look, Jay and Minuski and all of them. They're just a symptom of the disease that is Snyder Allen. Um, Jay's not going to be the coach next year. I personally believe that Bruce is going with him. I was wrong about both of those things last year. There's no chance I'm wrong about Jay this year. I could be wrong about Bruce, but I believe there's going to be a whole new group reporting to Dan next year. And I mentioned this on the radio show this morning, and some people thought, "Are, are you reporting this? No, this is not a report, this is a hunch all right? It's a hunch based on understanding that Dan Snyder doesn't have a lot of places to turn. And in these situations in the past, he turns to Joe Gibbs. And if he turns to Joe Gibbs here, Joe Gibbs is going to tell him to hire Todd Bowles, is my guess. I don't know that for a fact. And by the way, I'm a big fan of Todd Bowles. But I think Joe's going to probably make a couple of GM recommendations, maybe a Lewis Riddick, I don't know, maybe a Martin Mayhew, somebody like that And he's going to push for Todd Bowles to be hired. Todd Bowles was in for an interview for the defensive coordinator position because of Joe and Doug Williams. Todd did not want to work for this organization. All right. He did not. But for a head coaching opportunity, maybe. Maybe that's who they turn to next year. Um, I'll get to the game take in a moment. A quick word about. mybookie.ag. This is a place for you to wager on. And if you've been playing my plays, and I caution you that my run that I've been on is eventually going to come to a screeching halt. And I probably talked some of you out of taking my picks going into last weekend, and I apologize for that because I was 12-3 and over the weekend. But Where you bet is just as important at times as who you bet on. You need to know that you're betting with a reliable book that's going to give you fast payouts, great lines, great vigs and fees, and that's mybookie.ag. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't among the best. Um, If you're the kind of guy that, that wants to just bet a little, you know, well, you can try their parlays and, and try to hit big on those and, and multiply your winnings with those parlays. You know, those are hard to hit. Aaron and I both know that. You know, straight bets are really the best chance you have, and you try to go somewhere 55 to 60%, and, you you know, you have fun doing it. But sometimes you just want those big swings. But sometimes, you know what? Sometimes the best swings are those money line parlays with underdogs. Mm-hmm. You know, you try putting two or three of those money line underdogs together and see what that pays out. I'll tell you what. My my picks yesterday, I actually played some of those teams on the money line, uh, st- straight up on the money line, not as, as part of a money line parlay. But I had the Panthers on the money line. I had the Titans on the money line. I also had the Bills and the Lions on the money line. I had the Browns on the money line and the bills and lions were damn close. Um, my only loser yesterday was was the Redskins. By the way, I'm really upset that I didn't give out Tampa. What, how did I miss giving out the Buccaneers? I played them personally, plus the nine. You know what I've said about nine point dogs that are capable of scoring in the past, that they're always really good value. And the public was on the Rams. I don't know how I missed that one, but typically with a nine point favorite, uh, a nine-point underdog uh, against a team that everybody's convinced will win. Guys will throw like the Rams into a three-team teaser where they're getting nine points, so all they have to do is win the game. And I can't tell you how many times that doesn't happen. And it didn't happen yesterday. Tampa won the game outright. I apologize. 12-3 actually should have been 13-3 and three yesterday. I should have given out the Bucks Anyway, join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use my promo code to get it. Kevin DC that's K E V I N D C that'll activate the offer promo code Kevin DC after going to mybookie.ag you play you win you get paid all right let's get to the game take pay attention here's Kevin's game take All right, uh, we got to go through this because it's tradition to go through everything that happened the day before in the game and list the things that I liked and the things that I didn't like. I'll start with Quentin Dunbar. Without him yesterday, the defense would have likely given up another 30-plus. Dunbar was really good. Like You can see what they were missing by not having him out there. He really anticipates well. He can run. He's got length. The length helps him close. You know, you, you've either got to have speed, closing speed, or if you don't have great closing speed, if you've got long arms, that sort of reduces the need to be super fast because you can reach out. Dunbar really anticipates, well, He's he can run too, but he's got great length. Um, and Dunbar was really, really good yesterday. You know, the defense gave up 17 because you, you, the, the pick six from, from Peppers was – the other touchdown which is much less than their season average but I'm not about to say that the defense played well and I think if you say that you know you're out of your mind I mean Quentin Dunbar's two interceptions were well done you know the first one came on some pressure by the way from Tim Settle who maybe should have been on this list because he also had a forced fumble from that um in the second half on that Giants back uh, the new back that they had Hilleman um but yeah, uh, Dunbar's on the list. The defense didn't play well. More on that coming up. But I thought Dunbar was was really good. And, you know, one of the things that the defensive coaching staff did, shocker, they adjusted to something. Um, poor Fabian Moreau just could not t- check Sterling Shepard. So Dunbar went on Shepard, and one of his picks was off of Shepard. And I don't know if that was a Ray Horton decision, or maybe they just got matched up based on the defense. But Dunbar was really the you know one of maybe two things i liked from the day um he saved them from a much worse beat down if you can imagine that it could have been much worse um honestly tressway should tressway should just be on this list every week you know right now i think tressway is leading the league in gross punning um i'm going to uh, i'm going to look at that right now because the updated stats should be out there um Yes, he's number one in the league in gross punting yards, average 52.3, and he's number one in the league in net average. Tress Way is having a Pro Bowl season so far. Good for him. He's been really a terrific uh, punter for them over a few year period now, and he's having a great season and getting plenty of opportunities, by the way. Um, The Redskins haven't punted the most in the league. You know, in those first two weeks, they were really moving the ball a little bit. And they moved the ball in the the second half last week. Um, But uh, another really good day from Tress Way. Um, All right, let's get to the list of things that weren't very good. Uh, The Redskins right now are the third most penalized team in the league. 12 penalties yesterday. 16 called, so four were declined. You know, it just, it's a reflection of the Jay Gruden go along to get along, you know, mindset that just isn't conducive to being a really strong head coach in a sport like professional football. You've got to have some discipline and the team's undisciplined in so many ways. And it's reflected in penalties for sure. Um, You just can't, you know, line up and try to compete in a game and have 12 penalties. Seven in the first quarter, I believe it was. You know, you had Norman lined up off sides on a first-and-goal two-yard loss play. You know, they put in Jeron Christian in a heavy package. Peterson has a decent run, and he's called for holding. Moreau had a, a hold on a sack on third and nine. Um, Landon Collins, who we will get to here um, in more detail, he got called for holding. Norman had a face mask. Morgan Moses, of course, got called, called for holding. Of course he did. You know they're just an undisciplined outfit week in and week out. Um, You can't, you know, you can't be a good team committing that many penalties on a week in and week out basis, especially when you're not very good in other areas of the game. Um, No running game again. Uh, This really, this running game thing. Look, this is a a disconnect um, between Jay Gruden and the importance of a running game and the ability to scheme up a running game, and then you add the extra layer of Bill Callahan being involved in designing the running game and it's not been a good fit Uh, Bill Callahan, Jay Gruden running game terrible fit, Jay Gruden and anybody probably not a great fit for a running game it would be by the way one of the reasons I personally wouldn't consider Jay Gruden to be my offensive coordinator next year, even though I believe people will hire him and he'll get hired he can scheme people open in the passing game, he really can he's good at that you know he can look at cover two or cover three or cover one you know or Tampa two and he can scheme people open in the pass game yesterday he did it again Trey Quinn's running wide open deep and we'll get to Keenum here momentarily um but he cannot scheme up a running attack he couldn't do it as a coordinator in Cincinnati he hasn't been able to do it here Adrian Peterson 11 carries 28 yards with with that said by the way I thought Adrian ran really hard you know I I, it's hard to really put him on the things that I liked list when you average 2.5 yards per carry Um, I don't know that it was his fault though maybe it was but he ran hard when he ran the Redskins are right now the 31st ranked team in rush offense Um, they're generating a whopping 49.8 yards per game on the ground Uh, I'm sure Jay would chalk up yesterday to missing Ruye and missing missing Brandon Sheriff, but that's just an excuse for a lack of a running game that's never been there, even when they've been healthy. Um, They're just not good at it. He's not good at that. They can't run the football. Hard to be a one-dimensional team and be effective offensively. Um, We need to find out if Kevin O'Connell can scheme up a running game, and we need to find that out this year. We need to find out if he's Sean McVay, or, you know, Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFleur, a future head coach. And the only way we're going to find that out is either by letting him call plays, giving him more responsibility, or making him the head coach, which I would certainly consider. On the things of, on the list of things that I didn't like, um, the, the defense, yeah, they had four turnovers. I mean, somebody called this morning and said, how can you lose by three touchdowns when you get four touched, uh, four turnovers? It's hard to do. That is hard to do, um, but the problem is, is they turned it over four times. So the actual turnover battle was a net even. But their third down defense is so bad. Um, eight for thirteen yesterday was an improvement on the first three weeks of the season. That's how bad it's been. They're dead last in the league at sixty three percent conversions on third down defensively. Um, the Giants were seven for their first ten, and then. With the big lead, they sort of took their foot off the pedal, and so a couple of those stops came late when the Giants weren't desperate to move the chains. Uh, Case Keenum got benched, not for the interception on that first drive, that, by the way, Aaron came, you know, a few minutes after 1 p.m. Eastern and was a terrible tone setter for the day. The ball got deflected. It was a tight window. That wasn't the worst of his six turnovers over the last. uh, over the last what five quarters five and a half quarters um but anyway he got benched because Jay schemed up Trey Quinn wide open behind the defense on two separate occasions and Keenum missed him both times Jay chalked it up to his injured foot okay I mean we've seen him miss some deep shots already this year uh and not even see the deep shots first play of the game they got Quinn wide open and he overthrows him overthrows him it's a touchdown If it's not a touchdown, it's a 50-yard-plus play. Uh, Keenum is what I thought Keenum would be. You know, he's going to do some good things, he's going to do some bad things, and he's going to be a 6-10 starting quarterback on a team that's decent and worse on a team that's bad and maybe better on a team that's good and maybe a lot better like he was in 2017 on a team that's really good around him, which the 2017 Vikings were. But, you know, I I love the people that were suggesting to me, man, you're just not high on Keenum. You're down on Keenum. I I just, I didn't want Keenum. There's a reason they got Keenum for nothing. All right? He's not really that good. I actually was impressed with him the first two weeks. Thought he was a pretty good fit for Jay Gruden. I thought he looked good in the second half last week. I'm sure Jay thinks Keenum's a better fit for him than, than Alex Smith was. By the way, everybody putting out that stat that the Redskins are now 1-10 since the Alex Smith injury. Yeah. I, I You know, Alex Smith was not taking them anywhere last year. They were not very good offensively. They hit that inside straight that I refer to all the time in those first, you know, seven games. You know, they, they, they had kickers miss field goals that would have forced overtime. They got the benefit of turnover you know ratio penalty ratio field they played smart football may have been the smartest stretch of football and Alex didn't turn it over all of those things are true and would I take him right now turn not turning it over with a running game with a decent defense yeah I would probably take that but that's not your future either you're not winning a Super Bowl that way you're not even contending for the postseason that way you can talk about all you want that they may have made the playoffs they were they were six and three heading to six and four in the game he got hurt. We've been through all of this. I think they would have gone eight and eight. At best nine and seven. And at nine and seven, there's no guarantee that that would have been good good enough for the playoffs. I don't think they would have beaten Dallas on Thanksgiving Day with him. I don't think they would have beaten Philadelphia on the road on Monday night. You know, I I mean, so to me, they were headed towards six and six anyway. You know, split the difference in the final four and they go 8-8. Eight and eight. That's where I thought it was headed. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just missing the Alex Smith stuff. And I liked Alex Smith. I loved him in Kansas City, and I didn't mind the trade. So don't tell me that I you know, was always against Alex Smith and been an, Ant- an Alex Smith naysayer. I-, I haven't been. I liked him in Kansas City. I liked him with Andy Reid. I don't know if I liked him with Jay Gruden. But I was for that trade. I was just wrong. Um, and again, who knows? Maybe if he hadn't broken his leg and gotten seriously injured. Maybe year two with Jay Gruden would have been better. Um, I'll I'll concede that that's a possibility. Cole Holcomb was really, really interesting to watch in the first three games. I didn't think he was very good yesterday. Couldn't deal with Goleman out of the backfield and coverage. And there was this really weird play in the second quarter, I believe, where he came on a blitz or a delayed blitz and he had a chance to really impact a third and two play by hitting Jones and even sacking him. And he stopped. He hesitated. Like, he was almost like he was worried about getting, you know, a roughing the passer penalty. Um, I didn't think he was very good. He forced a fumble late. He can run, man. And Bostick can run, too. You know, their two inside backers can run. Um, Moreau was picked on, started on Shepard, disaster. Then Dunbar went to him. And actually, I thought at times Moreau didn't give great effort. That fly sweep to Shepard, if you watch, Moreau sort of gives up on the play. I saw Kerrigan take a bunch of plays off yesterday as well. I didn't think that was very impressive. I'd be looking to try to get something for Kerrigan. The perception of Kerrigan around the league is that he's a really, really good player. And he's just hes just a good player. He's not elite. He's not very, very good. He's just okay. He's a good player. Like, you know... If you had a good team, you'd love to have Ryan Kerrigan on it. If you're playing, if you're rebooting for the future, you might be able to get, you know, a third rounder for Kerrigan, or maybe somebody gives up a second. <clears throat> Got to trade Trent Williams, my God. Um, Chris Thompson needs to touch the ball more than eight times a game. He is one of their better players. He had eight touches yesterday. I think you need to double that. He should be used on screens over and over again until he drops. He's really good as a screen back, as a pass-catching back. I would extend the running game by throwing it to Chris Thompson on first down. I would be using him at every turn. He's one of the best players on your team right now, and he doesn't get enough targets, touches, not enough. Landon Collins. Um... Look, you've heard what I've said since the summer. I mean, for those of you that have missed it, first of all, I was in favor of the Redskins signing him in free agency, even though it was a lot of money for a safety. I liked Landon Collins in New York. I thought he could be a good player here. I thought he could be a good fit here. And he still may turn out to be that way. But the day that he signed the deal started this um, unbelievable string of interviews where the only thing he could talk about was his former team and how he was going to get revenge on his former team and he had you know he signed a 6-year deal so that means that there's a minimum of 12 games that he was going to play against the Giants and how he had circled those 12 games as the, as their as his payback games you know he threatened Dave Gettleman said he was going to run him over in pregame if he saw him he's called him a liar he's called him a cheat he's called him you know every name in the book He's ripped that organization seven ways to Sunday. Like, he can't think about his own team. And he's in, in, in when you do that, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. As I said Friday, this is a Landon Collins game in many ways. He better play well because he has been obsessed, consumed with his former team and ripping them. And the bottom line was yesterday, he didn't cover well, he didn't tackle well. Boy, he's lucky that Wayne Gallman didn't catch a touchdown on him on a play where he got completely fooled. Um, His first circled payback game was an awful game for him. Pathetic. It was a 0.0. But he's got 11 more opportunities. Um, Meantime, did you see what Eric Flowers said (laughs) after the game? This is funny stuff. Eric Flowers, uh, he of the Redskins playing guard, um, if you, you certainly have watched this development, if you're still paying attention and actually he's played pretty well, but of course, you know, he was not a, a successful first round um, giant uh, as a left tackle. And after the game yesterday, he did an interview with this new who, by the way, is the guy that interviews Collins all the time. If I were Dan Snyder or bruce allen or jay gruden i would immediately tell eric flowers and landon collins they're not allowed to talk to NewJersey.com anymore this is what eric flowers said after the game he ripped the giants said that i don't care for giant fans they feel about me how i feel about dennis i don't care for that place that much i would have loved to have come out here with a w once they get back to losing the stadium will be back empty That's how I feel about them. He said, Nobody is more happy to be here, meaning in Washington, than me. This has been so much more enjoyable. More enjoyable. Oh my God. What a loser. Are you kidding me? What is wrong with this team? How can't they make these people accountable for stupid ass things like this? You just got your ass filleted yesterday. 24-3. You got your ass kicked. Your former team is 2-2 with the arrow headed up, not down. You're in Loserville. And you're going to rip them? Are you insane? He ripped Gettleman, too. You know... Uh, It's unbelievable, he and Collins, and the venom they have for for the Giants and how happy they are about their new situation, which is a complete and utter shit show. I I said last week, policy. Nobody talks about the opponents or they get fined and then potentially deactivated on Sunday. You do not promote how good you are Overpromise anything or talk about the opponents. That is now policy, damn it. That's what the owner has to lay down. Accountability. You run your mouth, you talk about the opponent on a losing team, and you make sure they're clear on what your history is. Your history is you have won, since you became the owner in 1999, two playoff games. And that actually... They are in Loserville right now. And we're trying to change that. But you can't change it if you're ripping the team that just beat you by three touchdowns. Unbelievable. It's It just never ends with this group. It never ends. By the way, um, I tweeted out when Jay Gruden accepted that holding penalty on the first giant drive after the interception... That he made the right decision and I did think that way in the moment I'm not going to change my mind on that obviously it didn't work out if you recall the situation it was after the Keenum interception the Giants have the ball for the first time in Redskins territory starting at their 32 yard line and the Redskins get a a stop on first down a stop on second down and now it's third and seven and Daniel Jones throws incomplete to Engram and there was a holding penalty on the Giants and Jay accepted the penalty, making it third and seventeen from the 39 instead of fourth and seven at the twenty-nine. My my instinct was you take the penalty and you try to get out of that drive after that turnover without allowing any points from the 29 yard line. That's a 46 47 yard field goal. In this league with no wind, you know, their kicker who's been kicking well, that's pretty much a three-nothing lead. Now you can say, "Hey, our defense is horrible. We, we just got off the field on three downs. Let's just take that and take the three nothing deficit." And I understand that mindset. I do. It's easier to say that after the fact, but you know they had stopped him on three different plays, and there was a chance they could get out of it with nothing. You know, and you may say, "Well, they're going to they're going to play soft, and they're going to allow you know a little dump pass over the middle for ten yards back to the twenty nine anyway." Okay look you're those of you that argued with me you, you clearly based on the results you were right because they got 15 yards on third and 17 and then with a rookie quarterback lined it up and ran a fourth and two play that converted against Moreau with a pass to Shepherd. um boy you talk about lack of respect for a defense man you got a rookie quarterback in his home debut it's fourth and two you know after he just picked up 15 on third and 17 and you just line it up like you know you had no concern that you weren't that you were going to fail on fourth and two, and they ended up getting a touchdown. i It's the way I felt in the moment. I think most teams would have taken that penalty, but it's fair if your answer to that is most teams don't have this defense and this defensive coaching staff, and that's true also. And 3 nothing certainly in hindsight would have looked a lot better than what ended up happening. Um, but you don't really, let's be honest, you really don't expect them on third and seventeen to get a first down you know and so what you're hoping there is the third and 17 play ends up in a longer field goal or maybe even a punt um by the way pat Shermer did a really good job with his timeouts at the end of the first half really good job uh using them on defense and here's something i actually forgot from the radio show this morning uh, Shepard was back there in punt returns, Aaron, and, and muffed two of them. And on the second one, this new dude, Thomas, number 38, what the hell is he doing? He ran right by Shepard. Uh, there, there was no play on the loose ball that was on the ground, and Shepard fell on it very easily. Um, anyway, uh, not a good game. 0-4, first time since 2001 when Marty's team started out 0-5, actually, and then Finish with that eight and three uh, season-ending run, and then got fired for it. Uh, the worst mistake in Dan Snyder's ownership uh, tenure. Uh, all right, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, rate us and review us, please. Put a review in there if you haven't done that. That really helps us. Helps us with our advertising. Also, subscribe doesn't cost you anything. You'll just get the podcast delivered to you every day, right when it's done, without you having to go out and reach for it. Also, we're on the website the Kevin dot com for those uh of your friends out there that haven't figured out um how to do a podcast uh on their phone or anywhere else. Um anyway, uh let's bring in Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times dispatch. So is anybody gonna get fired today, Michael? Uh doesn't doesn't appear so,
1: doesn't look like it. Uh you know, I, I would think the the most obvious potential change right now would be making Kevin O'Connell the play caller or doing something like that, a little tweak, not a big thing. And honestly, I don't know that they would report that to us even if it did happen.
0: Yeah, I mean I I said on Friday that if it was another horrible um day that, you know, in and a bad day defensively and look, they did have four turnovers, but it was not a great day defensively. I just couldn't see Minuski surviving, that somebody was going to pay the price for this. And there was all the reporting, you know, going back to Les Carpenter on Friday. He thought that, there, you know, he had sources telling him that Jay Gruden could be fired as early as Monday. Um, you had the guy Joel Clatt from whatever Fox who was on with Rich Eisen suggesting something similar. Um, I, I I sort of was under the impression that Jay Gruden wasn't going to get axed this week. Now, I think that could change after a loss in Miami in two weeks, but I really thought Minuski would be in trouble today. And so far, nothing's happened. We've got the rest of the day to go, but your, your guess is that everybody's going to remain intact, at least through the New England game?
1: I thought this was going to be Minuski's last stand yesterday, and I think the defense did enough that it would be very very bad optics-wise uh, to fire Minuski after a day where the offense was as bad as it was. Uh, you know, the, the defense wasn't good, obviously. The third-down struggles continue, all that. Um, but they produced the takeaways. Um, you know, they did hold the Giants to 17 points, obviously not counting those seven that, that the Giants that defense created. I, I don't know that it would be the best look to, to move on right now. That doesn't mean I don't think they should. I think they should. I think they should have done it in January. Uh, But I I think it wouldn't be the best look for Jay to throw somebody under the bus after a day where it was clearly
0: the offense holding the team back. The thing is, though, is that they're not well coached defensively. You know, even even if you were to – you know concede the point hey you know what it wasn't nearly as awful yesterday as it was on Monday night or against the Cowboys or the Eagles in the second half it still wasn't good enough I mean they gave up seven of their first 10 on third down they had you know soft coverage on a fourth and two early Um, you know there there were mismatches all over the field there seemed to be confusion pre-snap multiple times in the game yesterday. But if, if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. I, uh, JP Finley told me this morning on the radio show that part of the problem with firing Minuski is that others like Tom Sula may walk with him. Have you heard the same thing?
1: Well, you know, this is a, you remember, go back to
0: last January
1: when they were interviewing potential replacements and ultimately decided not to. And, you know, part of it was that these guys like working with Minuski and, They felt like it was a unit or a team working together. I don't know how much they actually would. I think Tom Sula's at a point now where, you know, he's got nothing to lose. He can kind of come and go as he pleases. Rob Ryan, he's a guy who's probably going to stay. He just came in in the past year. Probably the same with Horton, the defensive backs coach. I think Tom Sula's the only one you'd be worried about from that standpoint. Um, But, that, you know, that – That's a minor concern to me. The major concern is this is a defense that cannot get it back together. You mentioned all the things, the misalignments, and when you go back and watch the game every single week, there's four or five players you just go, I don't know what they were doing. I can imagine Bill Belichick laughing while he watches the game tape this week. You know, He's watching the game tape trying to identify what defense the Redskins are in on every play, chart their tendencies. They don't have tendencies because they don't know what they're doing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, they'll, they're going to confuse Belichick with their own confusion. Brilliant, brilliant strategy. We can't figure out what the hell we're doing. And just imagine when old Bill watches us on tape this week, we're such a mess that Belichick can't figure it out. Can you imagine Belichick sitting in the meeting this week? He's looking at the tape. He's like, "Hey, uh, Harry, what are they? What's old Manuski? Manuski, what's he doing on this play? What is, are they in cover three? Are they in cover one? Uh, no, it's his own blitz. Co- no, it's not. As I mean." What a what a complete s show. I mean, that's that's really actually funny, um, but it's also sadly true. Probably. Um. All right, let's get to Haskins. What do you think the decision is going to be when Jay Gruden speaks today at three? Or will he? Or do, first of all, do you think he'll have a decision? Uh, have an announcement? And if so, what do you think it'll be?
1: I'm assuming he will not have a, a decision. I think the only decision he would have
0: would be if he is
1: explicitly told from above, Haskins is the guy. You can either be the head coach and go with that or not be the head coach and go with that. I don't think that edict has come down yet. I continue to think it would be a mistake to throw him to the Wolves against the Patriots to lose by 40. Uh, let Colton Case handle that. Get him ready for Miami. It's time for him to get all the, all the one reps in practice. Sorry to Colt. Sorry things aren't going to go well on Sunday. Uh, he needs to go get a win in Miami. The team needs a win in Miami, build a little confidence, get him going on the right track. You know, it, 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 RG3 had that. He had those games where, you know, everybody bought in. As they saw him do it, and they said, okay, well, you know, this is a guy we can run behind at least for a little while. Uh, you know, Haskins needs that game. I, I don't think it would be a good idea. I don't think Jay wants to put him in so so you can start there. I think Jay obviously wants Colt to be healthy and to go with Colt. Uh, the, the problem with going with Case, man, I – I don't know how you sell that to the fan base. Well, here's a guy who's terrible. Well, how are you going to sell Colt
0: to the fan base? You can sell Colt to the fan oh, base. no, you can't.
1: Everybody, everybody gets their turn. It's it's the Patriots. It's everybody the gets their turn, guy. You know, it, it's the it's the Patriots, and, and you know. What what better time to let Colt have his minute and, and be the quarterback of the team this year than losing by 40 to the Patriots, and then we can move on to the real show.
0: You know, one of the reasons I love you, um, and I've always enjoyed having you on, is because usually you and I are actually simpatico on a lot of things. I'm totally the opposite this time with you. I, I do not see any upside or any gain in starting anybody but Dwayne Haskins for the final 12 games of this year. And I actually view Michael, the the Patriots, as a... Great opportunity to put him in there against the best and for him and and here's the thing like uh, you know and and I think this is part of your perspective j p s as well, because I had him on the radio show this morning, is that you do understand what Jay believes, and that is that this kid is nowhere near ready enough, and my answer to that is, look, get him ready you know, if he can't handle the full playbook, cut it in half. If he can only handle two minute with a limited number of plays, run two minute shotgun from the jump. You do whatever you need to do to get him out there so we can learn. And part of the reason I feel the way I feel is I don't think of this kid as a fragile, you know, delicate, flower like I do not see him as an orchid I see him as pretty confident a guy that played at the Ohio State University played in some major big-time games by the way bigger games that he's going to play in the rest of this year in front of bigger crowds and bigger television audiences he played in college and I just see I see the the last 12 games of And I know you're saying the Miami game, which is only two weeks from now. I just, personally, I would put him out there against the Patriots and not look back. If Colt McCoy, God knows we all love Colt personally, that'll go over like a lead balloon if he's the starter against the Patriots. If anybody's even paying attention. What do you what do you want to learn on Sunday? What are you going to learn from
1: Dwayne Haskins playing against the Patriots? You're going to learn that they're not as good as the New England Patriots. I'd i just
0: you know I'd, I'd almost rather skip the game entirely. There's very little to learn on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> No, let me let me answer that. Here's what you learn just from the final 12 games against good opponents, and they've got other good opponents. You know, They've got other really good defenses, too. I don't know if anybody saw Buffalo's defense. They play Buffalo this year. Buffalo's defense is nasty. They beat yes, the they living crap out of New England yesterday. The Patriots were so fortunate that Josh Allen went down, and they were facing uh, Barkley uh, in that game. But the Redskins have a ton of good defensive opponents the rest of the week. Minnesota's good defensively. Buffalo's good defensively. Detroit and Carolina's very good. Green Bay's good defensively. So what are we going to do? Hold them out against all the really good defensive teams? Here's what you would learn. My answer is this. You learn when when a kid goes out there in adverse situations how he handles adversity, how he competes, how he leads, how he figures out when things go wrong. That's all great experience. I'm not advocating they throw him out there Patrick Ramsey style like Spurrier did with no blocking and having him basically you know face zero blitz with nobody back helping him and have him get the crap beat out of him. But I, I just I just I would look at this as a an opportunity that they should embrace. There's nothing to lose Sunday. There's nothing to lose the rest of the way. That's the way I would view it, and I do view it, though. I, I think the Dolphins game – this is
1: just. This sounds so silly even being 4 million in my head. I think the Dolphins game is a really important game for this franchise right now. Kevin. Really? Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that ridiculous? Um, uh, if, if they go to 0-6 by losing against what is the consensus-worst team in football, you just – you got you got to fire everybody. You you're like that's just the whole rest of the year is all of a sudden just a grim death march to the finish line. That you got to win that football game. That's 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 crazy that we're talking about that right now. But you got to win that football game.
0: Aaron, is it possible? Have you seen a look ahead <laughs> line for that game yet? I've
2: actually had uh, some conversations with some people in Vegas. And right now, after yesterday, the. There, there's Everybody has their own, but right now it seems like it'll be Redskins by about four.
0: I was okay. actually thinking last night that it's very possible after next Sunday that they could be an underdog at Miami. Um, not likely. Miami's actually been more competitive in the last two weeks than they were in the first two weeks of the season. But um, that that is, Michael, that, <laughs> that is rich that this is a big game <laughs> at Miami. <laughs> you know, quite honestly... I hope they don't win it. I, I want to see Haskins. I want to see him play well, and if they win it with Haskins, that's fine. If it's Keenum or McCoy, I hope they lose it. I'd love them to have the number one pick in the draft.
1: Oh, oh no. I'm fully on Team Sheehan starting in Miami. My,
0: week six on
1: Haskins is the quarterback. you got to learn. Haskins right. plays week six through 17 in my world. I just don't throw him to the Wolves this week against the Patriots. But, no, he's got to go down to Miami, and, and, and no, it's short time from there. You've got to find out what
0: you got. By the way, you know, this Patriots thing, which obviously you can tell it just doesn't phase me like it phases you and many others, by the way. I think I'm in the minority on this. In just going through the rest of their schedule, you know, I, I don't know that I had really done that yet. They've got brutal defensive teams. I mean very good defensive teams, meaning it's gonna be a, a a gauntlet. I mean, the Vikings are good defensively, the 49ers are fast defensively, the Bills may be a top three to four defensive team in the league. The Jets have defensive talent, the Lions are much better defensively. Carolina's good defensively. Green Bay's really good defensively, and then you've got the Eagles and Cowboys in two of your final three. Like there isn't going to be an easy opportunity for him, except for Miami.
1: Yeah, if you want to re-rack the, the guess the record game right now, is is anybody
0: going higher than three? No, 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 no. The over under, I don't under, think so. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, yeah, that's interesting. I'm wondering what they're updated over under is i'm gonna guess it's two and a half or three um let's see if i have that aaron see if you can find that while we're talking um i don't have my, my site does not have updated over under numbers right you, now. Off,
1: you offer me three i'm gonna hit the under on that right now live on the
0: air i mean I, that's just, they're, they're not
1: getting to four you'd certainly think nah
0: no um
1: and also, as you tick off those games, it's funny how many of those games are against teams that have weird incentives to beat them because of decisions that have been made. Kyle Shanahan's going to come back here on homecoming. That'll be a delight for everybody involved. Going to Minnesota, <laughs> it'll be its own thing.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it really is. Right Right now, we are <clears> – <throat> you know, somebody, um, a caller this morning said, like, this is on repeat, and it's true. Like, we we laugh because if we don't laugh, we'd be angry and or and or and super sad. And I always sort of deal with that um, by trying to, to to find the the humor in all of it. But this is um, this isn't like a new rock bottom. It doesn't feel like that. I feel like we've been in worse situations before as a fan base, as a media base. It's just now what is typical. This is what it is. This is routine. It's it's been more dysfunctional before and it's been more soap
1: opera chaotic before yes um but this is from a football standpoint this is very bad
0: (laughs) i guess so they haven't been 0-4 since 2001 um and you know i i think the injuries are kind of hovering over
1: everything and the help how many years in a row can you go with that? This is the third year now in a row. Of, well, if everybody was healthy, we'd be good. Do we, do we get to run that show back next year? Oh God, can well, you we imagine? Re- we re-signed all these guys because if they're healthy, they're good, and and then we're doing it again next year.
0: Can Can you imagine two and fourteen, and Bruce saying, "Look, I know it's two and fourteen, but we had you know we got twenty seven players on injury reserve. We really think with those players back next year, healthy, we're close." Um, McLaurin's coming back. Sheriff's coming back,
1: man. (laughs) Get excited about next year. Buy those season tickets right now.
0: You know, I I do think you're right, though. I think that, you know, from a pure drama standpoint, even though we have the threat of an in-season coaching change, um, a legitimate threat, maybe the most imminent that we've had in a long, long time, Um, that it isn't like, you know, there there are leaks, and you got Collins and Eric Flowers going off on his former (laughs) team yesterday. I mean, I said this earlier. I'm like, nothing reflects Loserville more than that, and it's unbelievable to me the way it keeps happening. I I don't understand a business that – Allows its employees to overpromise and consistently underdeliver and then criticize their opponents you know after they've gotten their ass kicked or shortly before they're about to get their ass kicked. Uh, th- that is just such loosey-goosey, no accountability, no discipline, no structure, no culture, you know, 101. Like it's business one hundred and one, and I think Dan was a great entrepreneur at, in great at starting things. Has just never been good at managing things. Clearly, not a football team. Um, I think I'm more bothered by the by the blaming of the refs every week. That that that's just getting screams, old. we a loser team. Yeah, that's getting old uh, for sure. One last thing before I let you run. What's really shocking to me. And we did this segment and I probably, you and I probably had this conversation on radio or on the podcast before the season started. The question was, what would surprise you more than anything this year? And my answer, and a lot of people agreed with me. I would have been surprised. I said, I'd be surprised if they don't have a pretty good defensive team. Now, I knew that the coaching situation was going to be a problem. They desperately tried to replace this dude. That couldn't have been a comfortable situation. But in looking at their players and then the addition of Collins, and hopefully, you know, I was hoping from, you know, for something, hoping Sweat would give them something early on. I am absolutely shocked at how dreadful they are defensively. They have so much
1: talent back there, too. And not even like the Josh Norman used to be good kind of talent. But there's legitimate NFL talent. Ryan Kerrigan's one of the more underrated players in football. He's just very good every week, quietly very good. Obviously, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne are very good. Payne's been very good week in, week out this year. Um, you know, and, and, and you go back to the secondary, Landon Collins was signed for a reason. He is a good football player. I think Quentin Dunbar is a good cornerback. I think this is a scenario where the sum of the parts is way less than the parts themselves. You look at every guy on this defense and you put it on paper and you say, yeah, this should be a good defense. And that's what we said this offseason. Of, of course, there are holes. Every team has holes. Uh, you know, you hated to see Cole Holcomb go through that yesterday. It's part of the learning experience for a rookie. Um, but but the parts are good enough. Man, that D-line that, is good enough to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and that secondary should be good enough to make plays, uh, but it, it just has not been.
0: Yeah, and, you know, part of, you know, you and I both felt like reboot in January strategy was the way to go, and part of that to me would be, you know, I, I I think you and I probably disagree on just how good Ryan Kerrigan is. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's an elite player. I think he's far from it. But I think the perception around the league is that he's a really good player, and I think they could get something for him right now. Um, and, you know, this Trent Williams thing, it's so funny how, you know, it's been backburnered now Um Like nobody's even paying attention to it, but that's a big missed opportunity for this franchise over the last three weeks to a month. And you know now you're getting to the point where we're getting into you know the last couple of weeks before the trade deadline. You know at the end of October, and if they don't deal them, you know oh we're we're winning because Trent came back to get the accrued season when we were zero and (laughs) ten. That's awesome. I mean, what a big win for Bruce that would be. The incompetence never ceases to amaze me, and the pettiness never ceases to amaze me either. Um, Thanks, as yeah. always. Do you have yeah. anything? What 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 didn't we uh, talk about that you... It's a podcast, so we can go as long as we want. What, what do you want to say that we haven't gotten to yet?
1: They should have tanked. They should
0: have moved on from Maneski. It's week five, man. It's only week five. They, we've had this feeling before, but never in week five. It's been a long time since we've had it in week five. 2013 didn't start off real well, you know. <laughs> um, you know, in 2014, 2014 wasn't a butte either. Um, you know, it's not like this hasn't happened. We just had this this stretch of, you know, the 9-7 and seven in 2015, the 8-7-1, and one, which should have been a playoff team if you'd had a kicker in, in 2016, And, you know, perhaps the best offensive team we've seen in a long time in 2016, 2017 truly would have been, I think, a competitive team had the injuries not mounted up so early, especially on offense along that offensive line. Um, So, yeah, you're you're right. It's like these, you know, nine and sevens, eight, seven and one, seven and nine back to back. It's like they weren't truly terrible. And last year started off, you know, five and two, six and three was headed to six and four. But 2013 was, you know, a, 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 a shit show from the, the beginning with the all-in for week one. And 2014, <laughs> you could tell, you know, wh- where were they in 2014? They won, when Robert got hurt in the Jacksonville game, they won that, but then it was pretty much a disaster after that, if I recall, right? He had on the Monday night yeah, game Monday, in yep, Dallas. Right. And I think if they had beaten
1: Minnesota the next week, they were maybe on the path to something, but but they Robert came back. They didn't, and all unraveled from there.
0: Yeah, you know that that Minnesota game too. Remember, it was the outdoor Minnesota Stadium while they were still building the new one. Um, You know, the owner essentially said, "Hey, that was really that was really swell what Colt did on Monday night." But (laughs) you came here to coach RG three, and he's ready to go. And the funny thing about that next RG three game is he actually didn't play poorly in that game, if I recall. At Minnesota, they had a legitimate chance to win that game.
1: I remember so we could do a whole podcast on that day. That was the biggest name protest. There were like 3,000 people outside the stadium. The team bus crashed on the way to oh, the game. Right.
0: Yeah. That was also the famous Britt McHenry pregame report day. What was that What was that pregame report? I forget now. That, that the locker room had turned on Robert. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And then <laughs> it, it was either the next week or the following week we got the Albert Breer – Jay Gruden completely throwing his quarterback under the bus publicly in that story (laughs) when it was just, and it was like, and, and I, and I remember a couple of those games, like they, that Tampa game was a disaster. Um, they, they lost to, and then Colt came back and he wasn't any good. It was, yeah, that season was bad because you really see, at least with this season, and, that, and maybe that's why I'm like, you got to see. You drafted a quarterback at 15 overall. That can sometimes, not always, and actually less often than it happens, but it can be the get out of jail free card. And if they got it right, but as we know, the owner made the pick and the football people weren't necessarily, um, you know, in lockstep with the owner on that particular pick. But who knows? Maybe it'll be the owner's finest moment. Uh Michael, thank you, as always. My pleasure. I like Michael Phillips a lot. Uh Michael is on the beat, you know, for the Richmond Times Dispatch. So he's not, you know, one of the DC guys, but he he lets it fly. Like he's fearless and and will say what he believes and he's always been a, a good radio guest. One of the things that I wanted to mention, um because I don't think I've mentioned it yet. I'm pretty sure I I mentioned this on the radio show, but not here yet. So after the game yesterday, one of the things I haven't done is I haven't really talked about the performance from Dwayne Haskins. And the thing that I wanted to say about Haskins' performance is I think it's a really difficult evaluation day. You know, he didn't take the reps leading up to the start. He came in off the bench. Um, He had three interceptions. It did not go well, obviously. Um, but I don't know how you really evaluate a guy that didn't really prep as a starter during the week to prepare for the opponent. I mean, I know there are guys that have come in off the bench as rookies and played really well. I'm not going to hang my evaluation hat of Dwayne Haskins yesterday on that performance or on uh, any performance that he's not taking every rep and they're not game planning based on what Haskins can do well. But I did think it was interesting that he tweeted out after the game some comfort to all of the fans here's what he tweeted quote it rains and pours but the sun will eventually shine whatever it takes that's my word more fuel to the fire don't be a fan later and he followed that up with a handshake emoji like deal deal don't be a fan later be a fan now good advice appreciate that Then, by the way, in the post-game press conference, he was, you know, having some fun talking about Tom Brady. Um, That would be the Tom Brady that's won six Super Bowls and is destined for the Hall of Fame five years after he retires on the first ballot and will be considered by some to be the greatest quarterback that's ever lived. He said, Dwayne Haskins did, talking about next week's game against the Patriots And he said that if he gets his first start next week, that it would be pretty cool to have his first start be against Brady. And then he said the following, quote, he went to that school up north. There won't be any love on the field if I do play him. Closed quote. (laughs) Let me just explain for those of you not clued into the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, Ohio State fans don't even say the word Michigan. They just refer to Michigan as the school up north, and that's what he did. So that's good. I hope he gets his chance to do a little Ohio State-Michigan thing next week against Brady. That'll be fun. I think fans can really get excited about that one, Aaron. I suggested this morning maybe he can come up with a theme every week the rest of the year, and the team's marketing department can really get behind it. Like next week they can hand out t-shirts that say beat the school up north. That would be awesome. (sighs) anyway uh that was Dwayne Haskins after the game I'm not gonna make any judgments on him or social media accounts or anything like that you know Baker Mayfield backed it up on Sunday in Baltimore yesterday um he was saying a lot of talking a lot of shit last week about different things that were said about him he went out and backed it up so Dwayne if he's gonna you know get on social media and be a big player in social media and you know, talk about, you know, a little fun, a little battle with Tom Brady in his first start, potentially. If he does get that opportunity, he's just got to go out and back it up a little bit. Um, but I want to just see him for 12 games. I'm going to judge him at the end of the year as much as I can. I'll, I'll try to refrain um, from judging him uh, on a weekly basis. We're going to evaluate on a weekly basis. We're going to talk about the things that he does well, the things that he doesn't do well, the things that he's got to improve on, the things, things that he's really good at. But I, I really want to be patient. Sean Springs, Fred Smoot, Clinton Portis, D'Angelo Hall, every former player has said to me over and over again that they fear if he plays this year and doesn't play well that the fans are going to turn on him. I, I don't see it that way. I see a fan base, first of all, we're talking about a fraction of what the fan base used to be. You know, there's the, the, the amount of passion left for this outfit has really been reduced to, you know, fractions of what it used to be. I mean, the TV rating for yesterday is go- going to be awful. It's going to be embarrassingly low. Um, the Mystics won't beat it. Um, I, I don't think the Mystics will do a bigger number than the Redskins did from 3 o'clock on. Congratulations to the Mystics, by the way, for winning game one of the WNBA finals. I don't think the Nats game, you know, outrated the Redskins game. What about um, Tuesday's Nats game? Tuesday's Nats game will probably do a bigger rating than the Redskins did yesterday. Probably. Probably not, actually. Uh, but anyway, I, I don't see fans turning on Haskins. I see people saying, look, this is our get out of jail free pass. This is the only chance we have as an organization. You got to have a. You, somehow you got to stumble on to. A big time quarterback that masks all of the spots, all of the the darkness elsewhere in the franchise. And so everybody realizes that he only played one year in college football. Everybody realizes the plight of the rookie quarterback in the NFL, that it takes time. I don't see the fan base turning on him if he plays poorly. Uh, I'm not going to turn on him. I'm going to watch hopefully 12 starts, not 11, not 10, not seven, not five. I'd like to see 12 and, you know, we'll nitpick, you know, week in and week out. Um, I hope he gets good advice on how to handle himself publicly on social media, et cetera. Um, it's all about action, not, not about words. It's all about improving. It's all about making progress. Hopefully he's that kind of kid. I've heard that he's a very good kid. Cooley really likes him personally. He's told me that. He's had a chance to spend many conversations with him. Says he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's coachable. You know, there is the feeling in the organization that he is much more of a project than ready. There is that feeling. If you didn't know that before yesterday or you don't know that this morning, yes, the football people in the organization think Dwayne is a good kid he's coachable. It's going to come along, but that he's truly a long-term project that he's not, you know, ready to be Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is much more quarterback ready for the NFL than Haskins. He also came out of David Cutcliffe's system at Duke. He also played a lot more and maybe he's better. Maybe it'll prove that Daniel Jones is better, but I don't see the, the fan base turning on him if he doesn't play well. I don't see that at all. All right, uh, let's go around the NFL. The biggest blaze and the clutch moment. It's time to go around the NFL. All right, a couple of games I want to focus on from yesterday. First of all, that Chiefs-Lions game um, was spectacular. Uh, God, it sucked that you had to stick with the Redskins-Giants game if you were doing that because this game um, was a beauty. Uh, Detroit's pretty good. I've mentioned that you know during this season so far and they had a legitimate shot to win that game there's a really a game changing play in that game and it came in the third quarter with Detroit getting ready to go in um for the lead in a 13-13 game and carry on Johnson who who was one my favorite back out of the draft last year not named Saquon Barkley by the way had 26 carries 125 yards um and you know another couple of catches for like 35 yards uh, he, he was reaching for the goal line on a first-and-goal situation, and the ball came out. He thought he was on the ground, I think. Ball came out. He wasn't on the ground. The whistle didn't blow, and Bashad Breeland, former Redskin, picked it up and ran 100 yards. And then they went to replay and found out that, indeed, he wasn't down. The ball was loose, and because they didn't whistle it dead, which is the right thing for the referees to do, is to not whistle those kinds of plays de- dead. Instead of Detroit being up 20-13, to 13, Kansas City was up 20 to 13 it was a major turnaround a 14 point turnaround in the game Um, but Detroit came back and they took the lead 23 20 then they took the lead with two and a half minutes to go 30 to 27 but it was too much time for Patrick Mahomes who drove him down the field part of that drive down the field to win the game 30 to 20 uh 34 30 was a completion on a fourth and eight on that final drive and man did he create on that particular play it was a fourth and eight, and he scrambled and bounced around and then found a wide-open receiver. There was pressure on the play. Game could have ended right there, but Mahomes made a great play and then you know, got him down the field, and they scored a touchdown. Now, I don't know if you saw this, Greg. Uh, Greg, I don't know if you saw this, Aaron. Sorry. <laughs> after the game. So they the, the Lions had one of those Hail Mary opportunities at the end of the game. And remember what we've talked about with the new replay rule and mm-hmm. pass interference in the final two minutes. It's going to go to the booth. There was clearly visual evidence on the final hail mary of the game of Chief Safety Daniel Sorensen shoving Marvin Jones to the ground as the ball was descending towards this cluster of players. No flag was thrown. And then Al Riveron was asked why they did not intervene with a flag from New York on a clear pass interference call. And the report came out yesterday that officiating uh, NFL senior VP Al Riveron looked at the play but decided not to conduct a full-blown replay review. Riveron apparently has previously previously explained that the Hail Mary situations are going to have the same relaxed standard on replay that applies on the field when a team launches a wing and a prayer. Here's a quote from him from a recent Pro Football Talk podcast. Quote, for the most part, everyone understands what's allowed and what's not allowed on a Hail Mary. It's probably fortunate that we're not putting this play into a box because it's something when we see it, when I say, we, I mean, the football community from fans to coaches to players to officials will all agree that that's a Hail Mary and will understand what's allowable and what's not. Really? So you're allowed to commit pass interference on Hail Marys. Okay. So now we know. So don't ever, on a pass interference that's not called, intervene on replay in the final two minutes of a half for a game because you just said we know what it is and we're we're relaxed on it and we as a football community from fans and coaches to players and officials we all agree what a Hail Mary is and we'll understand what's allowable and what's not go back and watch this play Sorensen interferes with Marvin Jones knocks him to the ground as the ball's coming in um, that was one of those things that I was concerned about with this new rule is that we're going to sit there and how are we going to handle Hail Mary's? How are we going to handle any of these passes where there's contact in the final two minutes? Are we going to review all of them? Well, they haven't really done that. The officiating, by the way, is just so, so painful. The, the number of holding penalties and the, the roughing the passer penalty, and that leads me to this game. My God, poor Denver. I know they were my pick, and I know I'm partial to Denver because I picked them to be the surprise team in the AFC, <laughs> and they're 0-4, but they've now lost two games at home where Joe Flacco drove them 80 minutes in the final 80 yards in the final two minutes of the game for the go-ahead touchdown, and then on the ensuing opponent's possession, they were totally screwed out of a win. Happened in Chicago when they called Bradley Chubb for a, for a, uh, a roughing the passer on Trubisky two weeks ago, and yesterday, Minshew, who by the way is excellent, he, he's yep. got great pocket awareness, which is what Leach said. He's really spectacular in the pocket. Um, he fumble, he's pressured by Von Miller and fumbles the football in the pocket. And it's part of everybody going for that loose ball and to tackle him, which, by the way, at that point, he's not a quarterback anymore with the ball loose. Miller accidentally gets a hand up into his helmet area, as you would maybe with a running back, one to face mask, and they flagged him for it. Are you effing kidding me? What a horrible, horrible call. That was a third down play game, 15 yards, first down. Jacksonville goes down, gets in field goal range and kicks off. Kicks a walk-off game-winning field goal. Uh, that is That call was not as obviously bad as the Chubb call was against Trubisky, but he had that ball on the ground, in the pocket, I don't get it. Um, he's really interesting as a player. Cooley loved him and evaluating him and suggested that the Redskins could t- should take a look at him in the middle rounds. You know, he's six feet or six one or whatever he is. He actually looks smaller than that, but man, does he have incredible ability to create and extend pass plays. Um, all of a sudden, Jacksonville's 2-0 and with Gardner Minshew II at quarterback. And by the way, they played that game without Jalen Ramsey. What a, what a complete and utter fool he is sitting out acting like he's sick. Wants to be traded. They shouldn't trade him. Uh, that would be sort of hypocritical because I want him to trade Trent Williams. But a guy like that, th- this is a winning team. This is a good team. This is a talented team that's got a chance in that division to do something. They've got a really good defense. How about what the Browns did to the Ravens yesterday? Man, that was quite the beatdown. Um, Br- uh, Nick Chubb was incredible. That 88 yard touchdown run that he had, the speed on that run was phenomenal. Mayfield was really good, the best game he's played all year. And they torched that Baltimore defense, man, to the tune of like 500 yards. I mean, it was really 40 points, 500 yards. Jackson had two interceptions. I mean, this talk of Lamar Jackson a few weeks ago being, you know, part of this Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Mahomes, Jackson thing, you know, put the brakes on that. He's a fun player to watch. Don't get me wrong, but there he can't throw with anticipation. You know, it, it's not he can create more time and make big plays. That's an interesting loss for the Ravens, who at 2-0 looked like a juggernaut. Now they've lost two in a row, including to a division rival at home. And they gave up that many yards and that many big plays. And then there was the play at the end of the game. I'm not sure if anybody saw this. It was OBJ um, and uh, uh, Marlon Humphrey got into it. They got tangled up. And it ended up with Beckham Jr. throwing a punch, but Humphrey on top of him choking him. On the ground, Humphrey went to OBJ after the game and, and apologized. He said, quote, That's not really the brand of football I really want to repre- rep- represent. When the whistle blows, it's got to be over with. Um, Interesting uh, stretch for the Ravens here because they play the Steelers next week on the road. Steelers have the Bengals tonight. If the Steelers win, they're 1-3 one, one game out of first in the AFC North. And then they get the Ravens at home next week. I still think the Ravens are better than a Mason Rudolph-led Steelers team. But I think the Browns have the most talent in that division, Aaron. I do. I don't think there's any doubt they've got the most talent. Uh, The Patriots and the Bills yesterday. If you want to see a team that's really good on defense, watch Buffalo. They are nasty defensively. They were last year. They held the Patriots to 224 yards of total offense. Who does that to the Patriots? 11 first downs, and by the way, 16 points, seven of which came on a blocked punt return for a touchdown. I think the other points were set up by turnovers. Buffalo turned the ball over four times. The Patriots got four turnovers. We're plus three in the turnover margin category, and we're holding on for dear life against matt barkley who had come in for an injured josh allen who took a wicked hit and got knocked out uh buffalo is i'm telling you there are some good defensive teams the redskins aren't one of them um buffalo is a good defensive football team had a chance to win that game against the patriots yesterday to get to four and oh would that have been amazing if the bills had won and they were four and and the patriots were three and one
2: Would have been something. All
0: right, Minnesota. I know some of you are waiting for this. Um, First of all, Kirk, I'll just say it. He wasn't very good. Now, I watched this game. It was the CBS 425 game. I watched a lot of it. I was flipping back and forth with the others because I had Tampa. I bet Tampa yesterday, so I was trying to keep track of that. If you watch this game and you're one of those people that would put it solely on Kirk Cousins, I'm sorry. You're just wrong. I mean, he was ambushed on the regular they couldn't run the football Dalvin cook was the leading rusher coming in 2.5 yards per carry 14 carries 35 yards the 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 Chicago defense was dominant in the game now cousins didn't do enough he was sacked six times he fumbled twice or fumbled twice lost one of the fumbles they had a big play to Diggs in the first half that down seven nothing and Diggs fumbled it um I bet the Bears yesterday, by the way. I told you before this season started when I made my predictions, just so we're clear on this. I am a Kirk Cousins fan. I, I am. I still think in the right situation he is a top half of the league starting quarterback. Um I told you before the season that I, I and I picked Minnesota not to make the playoffs, for them to struggle and for Kirk to have a rough year. I felt that way. I, I felt I totally felt that there was something not right in listening to Kirk talk in the offseason you know they changed out the offensive coordinators it's Stefanski instead of De Filippo they brought Gary Kubiak in as a uh, as a consultant there's frustration with Kirk you know Adam Adam Thielen's frustrated um you could tell that Mike Zimmer's a little bit frustrated but at the same time you know he, that that the game 2 weeks ago that he had against the Packers was horrible the game yesterday, offensively, they didn't have a chance against Chicago. They got ambushed up front completely. And the other thing too is, I I, I sort of see what DiFilippo tried to do last year, knowing that he had a, an offensive line that was not going to be consistent with them in the run game. Um, they got to be more. They gotta be more balanced. I I, I would say they, they are very intent on trying to run the ball in first and second down. Not a lot of creativity there. I don't think they're I think they're the third place team at best in the NFC uh, North. I thought that before the season started. I picked Chicago, right, to win the division. And somebody else, um, I think I had Minnesota, maybe second, but not as a playoff team. Uh the other games how about the Buccaneers I mean this is the league right you just you just never know there's always one of those games every week where you're like what Tampa did what to the Rams they scored 55 points against the Rams it was 21 nothing early in the second quarter uh I've said this before about Jameis Winston I'm a fan I think he can be a really good quarterback I know I'm in the minority on this I think he's really talented I think Bruce Arians is a really good coach I think Todd Bowles is too. Although his defense now has given up some big numbers here in the last uh, in the last two weeks, right? They gave up a bunch to Daniel Jones last Mm -hmm. week at home. You know, if that kicker makes that short kick last week, they're three and one. Yes, they are. Um, They can throw the football. They have offensive talent in Tampa.
2: They have so much talent. They apparently don't know how to use OJ Howard.
0: Uh, How about Godwin's? Yeah, Godwin's emergence. Um, by the way, Jared Goff in that game threw the ball 68 times. I mean, they were behind the whole game. Right. 45-68 um, of 68 for 517 yards, three interceptions. Um, so the Rams dropped 3-1. and one. Interesting about that division is the 49ers had a bye week yesterday. Yesterday was the first of a couple of byes. Uh, not Pittsburgh, San Francisco and the Jets, I think, were on bye yesterday. Yes. And San Francisco is in first place all alone after three weeks of the season. A couple of other games just to mention really quickly. Carolina's good defensively. They're really good. I had them in the smell test. I actually played them on the money line as well. They went out right at Houston. Um, And Kyle Allen had an efficient day throwing the football, but he had three fumbles on the day, which really hurt them. They could have won by a lot more at Houston, but that's a good win for the Panthers. And you really have to wonder right now about Cam Newton you Mm -hmm. know he had some comments over the weekend that he shouldn't have played you know in that game against Tampa on that Thursday night in week two I wonder about his future in Carolina it's an odd situation there because Kyle Allen's running that offense pretty well it's one of those things where just
2: you know what we saw from Cam the first two weeks how much of that was an injury that can be fixed and how much of that is his body you know starting to fail him a little bit and is Kyle because you know we've seen it Kyle Allen is better than the Cam Newton we've seen this season
0: yeah much better than the Cam Newton we've seen this year and maybe even at times late last year they started off well last year finished poorly McCaffrey 10 10 more catches for 86 yards and had 93 on the ground so 179 yards of total offense for them I I think that they're a little bit underrated with with Kyle Allen I think they've got a chance to 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 turn this into a season uh the Panthers do um Man, the Titans. Nobody's more inconsistent than the Tennessee Titans. You know, they open up with a beatdown of of the uh, of the Browns on the road, and then they come back in Week Two and look horrible against the Colts. They lose Jacksonville, and they go to Atlanta and win twenty four to ten. I would think right now that Dan Quinn's on the hot seat in Atlanta. The Falcons have been mm-hmm. a massive underachiever here uh, recently. Um, what are the other games, real quickly, that I wanted to mention?
2: When to Indianapolis?
0: yeah i mean i i played oakland plus the seven uh that seemed to be a spot for them um
2: you see perfect out for the year
0: perfect is it for the year now for the year it's just for that hit yesterday for that hit yesterday you know what that's what track record and history yes. will do for you um i think that was it uh oh the, the game last night man it's amazing the cowboys and saints played a game in december last year 13 to 10 on a thursday night major defensive battle Last night, same thing, 12-10 to 10 last night, Saints won it. I was actually surprised at how difficult the Cowboys found it to run the football against New Orleans. Um, uh, New Orleans is, is good defensively, I guess. Uh, the, you know, they, 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 they must be. Um, I, I, I was definitely surprised because the Rams ran it, you know, a little bit against them in week two. You know, I know that was the game where Breeze got hurt and Bridgewater came in. Um, but I thought the Cowboys would be able to run the football against the Saints. And now the Saints, amazingly, without Drew Brees, are 3-1. and one. You know, there they are, 3-1 and one atop the NFC South, and they'll get them back at some point, and Bridgewater will be the savior. By the way, the, the Saints are 3-1 and one with a minus 8 points for points against differential, which is kind of hard uh, for that to happen. Uh, all right, um, let's finish it up with uh, some talk about the other things that went on this weekend did you have a busy weekend don't worry we've got you covered it's time for weekend ddr all right um good for the mystics good for the Nats. we'll spend more time tomorrow previewing the wild card game tomorrow night personally aaron i I would not have been um upset had strasburg started the game tomorrow night uh but dave martinez is going with scherzer uh, with obviously Corbin and uh, Strasburg available to him out of the bullpen. I can Im- I, I, I would imagine that Strasburg, Corbin, Hudson, Doolittle, that that's the bullpen tomorrow night. Um, but the games at home, really exciting, really looking forward to tomorrow night and would love to see them get this one and go into a series with the Dodgers. I think some people believe that the Dodgers are there to be had. Uh, By the Nats. By the Nats. That the Nats are the one team with their starting pitching that would have a chance against the Dodgers. Uh, We'll see. Um, they got to get through tomorrow night first. Uh, We do have to spend some time, however. um, Do we? Yeah. Uh, On what happened Friday night. First of all, the greatest tailgate in the history of Maryland football Friday night in College Park. That was the best tailgate scene I can ever remember. I got there early. I was there, I don't know, 4.30. Went with Scott we had multiple tailgates that we went to friends of ours that throw a big one another friend of mine has a really nice tailgate we were all over lot one for the hours leading up to the game and it was truly in terms of the scene the best scene that i've ever seen in college park it was um i i don't you you went to school there i went to school there you've been to a lot of games more recently than i have but usually as a media person That scene for a Friday night game against Penn State, and the Penn State people had a lot to do with it because there were a lot of Penn State people there. But what a party that was pregame!
2: Yeah, I mean, I I didn't get to tailgate. I was coming straight. Yeah, I I was coming straight from work. Got there around seven thirty or so. Um, But yeah, I mean, the scene was incredible. I was actually surprised that you know we were talking about how what percentage would be Penn State versus Maryland. Maryland fans showed up. They left midway through the game as they should with the way it went. But that was not the 40%. That was 30 and maybe even less Penn State.
0: Yeah. Um, so for, for a lot of us that partook in the pregame festivities, this game will forever be remembered as the tailgate game because that was the best part of the night. Of course. This thing was over quickly, and it was – I mentioned to you on Friday that you were going to see when they were on offense, when Penn State was on offense, if Maryland was going to have a chance in this game – it was going to be competitive at the line of scrimmage that they were going to get you know, because maryland's got some talent defensively in their back you know seven um but you were going to have to see something up front that said you're going to be able to force penn state to punt you know a bunch and you're going to get multiple opportunities and the game was going to be tight and close and it was a mismatch up front an utter mismatch it was a dose of reality that's what Friday night was for Maryland and Maryland fans. And I'm not disappointed. I I, anyway, I am disappointed. I'm not discouraged. I think Locks is got this thing heading in the right direction, but it was probably a major reality, you know, check for him too. You know, um, he's got some issues, he's got some depth issues, he's got some size and strength issues up front, and he may have a quarterback issue with Jackson, you know. Jackson was really good in a lot of that RPO stuff that they ran against Howard and against South Carolina. Um, syracuse. and i mean it's, uh, syracuse excuse me south carolina would have been much more impressive <laughs> yeah um piggy's not the answer you know he's five foot six or whatever he is he can't see in in these games over the line of scrimmage um they couldn't run the football which of course you know if maryland's not able to run the football this year it's going to be a major problem for them and it was an embarrassing beatdown i mean this game by the way Um, you know, uh, I don't think Loxley and Franklin are the best of friends. I don't think a lot of people in coaching are best friends with James Franklin. Um, But I I really thought that when there were 48 seconds to go and they could have very easily taken a knee at the end of that game and they're still running plays and they're running up the score 52 to nothing. I mean, you know, those are the things that if you're a Maryland coach, staff member, you remember that, you know, that with 48 seconds to go, second and goal at the Maryland eight-yard line, you could take a knee uh, on two consecutive plays, maybe just one at that point, and walk off the field 52 nothing. But instead, you ran a play and you scored another touchdown. And it's Maryland's job to stop them. That's true. But those are some of the things that you know you want to create a rivalry. First of all, you got to be competitive with this team, and then things like that you gotta you gotta have at some point down the road some payback yourself for. Um, Penn State might be good. They might not be. I have no idea what they are. Um, Maryland is not in their league. You know, if if the Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU is in one bucket, Penn State's in the next bucket probably of, of teams, and then Maryland is at least one below that, right? At least one. Probably two at this point. But it's going to be a process for Locks. And, look, they're not playing Penn State every week. They're not playing Ohio State every week. They get Rutgers this week. Rutgers just fired their coach. They get Purdue on the road after that. Purdue is not anywhere near in the category, nor is Indiana. Minnesota's undefeated this year. Um, But, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. There are still games to be won. Still games to be won, won and still the opportunity at some, you know, maybe to be bowl eligible. But their over number in Vegas this year was four and a half. Just remember that. All right, um, thanks to Michael Phillips for joining us on the show. Thanks to all of you for listening. Back tomorrow with Tommy. We'll preview the wild card game. Have a great rest of the day.